and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lafibri. And my name is Jessica Tercero. This week we watched Hairspray! Yay! So we watched the John Waters, 88, 1988, I think is it? Uh-huh. The uh, year I was born. Yay! Um, I'm just like so young. I wasn't born yet. It's like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm like so, old so young. I might as well be like a grandma. <laughs> oh my god! So <laughs> we watched that one, and then we watched the 2007, 2008 remake. It was um, 2007. It was 2007. Yeah. Okay. We watched that remake starring High School Musical Zac Efron. Oh my god, everybody! Is that where he's from? Can you believe that? Oh my god, I never watched High School Musical. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was like the one from that movie. Because uh, obviously the white males are the only ones who are like, get attention. <laughs> um, and then he just like got plopped right into Hairspray. Because I think those were like right at the same time. Was that his first thing after High School Musical? I think High School Musical 2 happened and then Hairspray was like immediately after. I don't know my timeline specifically, but I think High School Musical was like 2006-ish? 2005 maybe? When I graduated high school. Yeah. So it was like right in there. So I missed it. You missed it. I missed you it. missed that boat. I was in high school when those movies came out, but I still missed it, even though I was like a musical boy. <laughs> I don't know how I missed it, but I did. But anyways, hairspray is what we watched. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I well, let's. Talk, I mean, we're obviously going to talk more, but like, John Waters is dope. So I had seen the original one before. Yes, and I loved it when I first watched mm-hmm. it. I had never seen the musical version of it. Yeah. Yep. And so that's the whole thing. So I again. I saw the remake, the musical version first, um, in theaters when it came out. Because again, I was like musical theater, and I was like, oh my god, hairspray, let's go! And so I saw it, and I was like, I love this. And I had never seen the John Waters version, even though I knew it was a remake and that Ricky Lake starred uh, in the original. And then I watched it later, and I don't think. It resonated with me in the same way that the other one did. But then watching these back again, I like the original more now than I did when I first watched it. Just because I think I had this like candy colored Disneyland lens of the idea of Hairspray because of the remake. Like going back and watching this sort of like queer, kind of raunchy, kind of fun and campy uh, world that had already been set for me by this other version. I just wasn't ready for that. And so I was like, oh, I don't, I, I'm not digesting this well. And that's why, because I had like the complete opposite yes, experience exactly. because like I grew up with the original, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is dope, right? And then like, of course, I got into like watching other John Waters films, which this is like the most accessible, least offensive John of Waters. Of all of them, film. yeah. So I kind of had that expectation mm-hmm. going into the musical and I was like, oh, this is dope. Like I am super on board for this. And I watched it and I was like, what the fuck is this? Far from. They turned it. They turned. They turned it into Shrek. Oh my god! They turned. Um, they turned a John Waters movie into Shrek. Well, and I, th- John Travolta is uh, oh Shrek. Oh my god! Does that make uh, Christopher Walken donkey? I think so. I must right. This Fiona. Oh, I guess this Fiona. But yeah, that that whole thing. How and would, like, wait? How would Christopher Walken say donkey? Donkey. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> That was a terrible impression. I don't know. I know very few people who can do a good impression of that. Oh, my God. But, yeah, because they had to take it and, like, sanitize it for Broadway. And that's when they introduced all the songs. But do they have to sanitize it? So, for bigger Broadway, yes. For off-Broadway, no. I think. Because I think a lot of that stuff, too. And especially that was sort of the ushering in the age of, like, 
musicals that were largely based on previous existing IPs, right? So, like, that ushered in the whole idea of, like, speaking of Shrek, Shrek the musical, and now we're doing, like, Spongebob the musical, and, like, Kinky Boots the musical, and Hedwig and the Angry Inch the musical, and all that stuff. Not to say that those have been watered down by any means, but I feel like they took out a lot of the cool queer camp of what makes John Waters magic. I think they took out just about everything that the original was trying to say. Yeah. And made it like a watered down Hollywood version yeah. of, yeah, we'll get into it, yeah. but I have a fuck ton of opinions on that. Okay. All right. Cool. We're going to start it now. Bye bye. In a racially divided 1960s Baltimore, Tracy Turnblad gets her chance at local stardom when she is invited to join the council on the Corny Collins dance show. Her unconventional idealism and appearance spark both optimism and controversy among the community, as well as a bigger conversation about local racial integration. Threatened by her big body and big ideals, the villainous Von Tussles make it their personal mission to take down Tracy and everything she represents. Tensions come to a head at the local fair during a live taping of Corny Collins, which result in a race riot for which Tracy is blamed and ultimately sent to jail. After a successful protest, Tracy is freed and reclaims her pageant crown from Amber Von Tussle. The show finally becomes integrated and dancing, dancing ensues. ensues. Hairspray 1988. Boom. Let's start with this movie. Um, first of all, the cast <coughs> is stacked. Uh, Can we talk about all yes. the people in this? So, Vitamin C, who plays Amber Von Tussle, Holy shit, is right? the daughter of Sonny Bono and, and Debbie, Debbie Harry. Harry. Love it. We love to so see it. So good. Fucking Debbie Harry is just perfect yeah. in this role. Oh my gosh. I love her hair and everything. Her wigs are... Her- Her wig budget was out of control. Oh my god, I want that wig budget. And then we have Ricky Lake, who is Tracy, the daughter of Divine the Drag Queen and Jerry Stiller. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, like, cool. Yeah. Yeah, this is, like, the fucking coolest... Off the bat, it was like, yeah, this is fucking sick. Also, the soundtrack for this is so fucking dope. So all of those songs are from the 1960s, except for, like, the title track. Right? Oh, okay, yeah. And all of the dances, like even like the put the gravy on the mashed potato yeah. dance, all of that, that is all legit dances all from the 1960s Including team, the which roach. Is so, oh my God. So good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, like I said in the intro, I think the first time I saw it, I was definitely less um, impressed only because of that weird impression I got from the first one where I was like, oh, this is just like a fun, like, look at all the it's color. It's like the like, Disney version. Yes, of exactly. It's watching it on the Disney channel, but then like realizing like, no, 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 the original story is supposed to be queer camp. It's supposed to be grimy. It's John Waters. Like, and like you said, this is the most tame of John Waters movies, but the magic that he brings to his storytelling, I think gets completely lost in the other one, which is why watching this this time, I was like, oh, this movie is fucking cool. Yeah. And yeah. well, and like everything about this, like when I was trying to do like research on this, it was like, like we always say like everything is a choice. Yes. And everything absolutely was a choice. Oh yeah. So like for this film, there was a lot that was like based on like actual, either like historical places or like or around like actual things that happened and stuff like that. So like the whole show, like the Corny Collins show is based off of, the Buddy Dean show, which John Waters watched as a kid, and like the the dirty boogie that happens, that was actually 
John Waters was on that show a couple times, and he got kicked off for doing the Dirty Boogie, which was fun that he put that in there, right? I love that. Um, also, uh, Little Inez was based on a young girl named Ruby Bridges, who was the first black child to attend New Orleans all-white elementary school in the 1960s. Oh, wow. Um, and then there's also, like, Tilted Acres, so the fair that they go to at the end yeah. was based on a real racially fraught amusement park, too, where they were, like... In Baltimore? Yeah, actually. Um, it was based off of Gwyn Oak Park, and it was the site of, like, a lot of demonstrations in 1963 from, like, the NAACP, the NCC, CORE, SIG, and all of that, and, like, where a lot of people were arrested for protesting there no and stuff. Shit. Yeah, so, like, everything was a... Uh, like a thousand percent a choice, a choice yeah. and i i didn't realize that he grew up in baltimore so like a lot yeah. of this he knows what this was like he and like yeah. in like several interviews and stuff like that he says tracy turnblad is based on himself being yeah. a teenager growing up in baltimore because he was the kid that was hanging out with the black kids and like you know he he there was this interview where he was talking about like he would hang out like you know whatever it's cool yeah and they got arrested for being drunk and all the white kids and all the black kids went to jail all the white kids their parents were able to pick them up the black kids were stuck in prison and that was like one of the first times where he was like oh shit this is a thing yeah and so like a lot of him writing this has to do with like his experiences growing up yeah you know which is really cool like why is this a thing and i also really love that he decided to make that star rather than like a dude right like making it a woman oh yeah and making it a woman that's a little bit like you know that isn't the conventional idea of attraction with like sl she's not slim and she's not this and she's not that and she's not conniving she's just overly positive like and she's over like i love all of the choices he made yeah. with tracy and all of the care that he took in and around this whole storyline yeah I mean, it's, I think it blew, I, it blew my fucking mind it, researching all of this. I thank you for doing that. Cause like, yeah, I, I was, I was really hoping you would come with like a lot of these. Cause like, yes, I love that a hundred percent. And I do think it's so important too. Cause like him being like a queer person, right. Who grew up in Baltimore. I'm sure that othering by itself was part of the process when he was like creating this character. It's like, she's big. So people are going to, she's already othered based on her size. She's also a woman. So she's othered based on her gender. Right. So like this overly optimistic person who is now being represented as sort of a conduit for waters, his own personal reality growing up in Baltimore in the sixties. Like, yeah, that makes total sense. And, um, this movie talks about all of that in a very, very particular way. That's like, like you said, with intention an in intention of like opening a conversation about casual white supremacy and about, segregation and sort of like the dismissal of it by means of saying oh it's an economic thing not a racial thing or it's a this not a that no 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 it's straight up racism yeah and i i yeah. love that rather than just being like oh well i'm gonna make this up because this probably happened or anything like he based a lot of these characters and these locations and these like yeah. the high school is a high school in baltimore that was opened in 1963 like stuff like that like he put so much care into all of that yeah. and a lot of like the cameos and a lot of the people that come in and out of like the film the extras and stuff like that are people that were important to baltimore itself like even buddy dean had a cameo in it it was like 
it kind of feels like a love letter to that time period or like to those people that were trying to help, right? Yeah. And trying to like, trying to figure out how to be allies. Because I think in a lot of ways, this is the story of Tracy learning how to be an ally. Yeah. And we'll get into that. But like, um, the other thing that I, I forgot to bring up was- some funny moments regarding that that I really want to talk oh about. Oh my God, for sure. <laughs> um, but there's, there's this point where they say segregation- Today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. Yeah. And that was specifically taken from the governor of Alabama's speech when he was inaugurated into office was wow. was that. So like again, like taking these moments from history and all of these things just being like, boom, this is where we were, like this is what's happening, and like just just that creating with intent and like was I, I think one of the things that really makes this film stand still stand up. I just, I love this film it, so fucking much. It tells this story in so much clearer terms and in a way more articulate style than a lot of movies that are trying to talk about uh, racially divided cities or segregated cities or like rezoning districts. Like like that. these big conversations about just straight up racism in uh, communities and suburban areas that surround metropolitan areas. A lot of those storytellers can't tell the story in this way or in these terms, mm -hmm. even now. Even like, like, especially like being a white person telling this story. And yeah. like, I feel like he did just so much justice to everything. And this is like the 1980s when we're not even like having these conversations mainstream or anything, you yeah. know, like he was just like, he didn't do this to pat himself on the back. Like so much media is today, right? Yeah. It's just like, oh, look at, look at, see, I did this. See, I did this. He's just a queer filmmaker making these fucking – like, I mean, again, this is more of a – like, not to say that his other films aren't cohesive because they are, and story-wise, yes, but less of like a queer, raunchy, <laughs> campy, all of that, which is what most people love about John Waters. And like you were saying before, the fact that when it got a PG rating, he was just like – Fuck this. He was so pissed. <laughs> like, okay, like, the, the dude that made, like, female trouble, right? Yeah. Like, and he's just, like, he, uh, yeah, the, one of the things I read where he was just, like, I remember when I got the PG rating, I wanted to commit suicide. He was so upset with himself. But, that's... like, I think that the fact that this film is so accessible, yeah. that's one of the reasons why it became, like, the cult classic that it did. Yeah. And why even now it still holds up with, like, today's politics and mm -hmm. things like that. So, I mean, sorry that it's PG, John Waters, but also, like, good fucking job. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> it's also bizarre to see Divine as more of a just, like, down-to-earth mom <laughs> character. Yeah. Because, I mean, Divine is Divine. <laughs> she is, like, <laughs> the evil sister of Lady Bunny, right? Like, Lady Bunny's already grotesque and raunchy, but she's, like, angelic by comparison to Divine, right? So seeing her as, like, the housewife, like, the mom taking care of her daughter, even though there are some lines where, like, she's just fucking funny. Like, the dialogue was so good. There are so many one-liners. Divine and, is just lovely. Yeah. And she plays two characters. She does. Because the boy Divine, he is the head of the studio or the head of mm -hmm. the television company. Yes. Which is fun because it's like, it's, they're both just like bad wigs. So it's like, oh. It's also kind of <laughs> tragic too, because like this was the last film that mm -hmm. uh, Divine was ever in because she was found dead like a couple weeks after the film's release from a heart attack in like an in LA hotel year. room. Yeah. A couple months, couple weeks after that. But, um, but yeah. So shall we get into some of the other things uh, about like specifically about this film? Because sure, yeah, yeah. fuck, I have so much to say. Um, can we talk about Tracy first? Uh, yeah. the punk queen learning how to be an ally. Yeah. So I 
remember watching this the first time like years and years ago and just being so like just loving Tracy. Yeah. And like what I loved about her, I'm able to now like double down on that and be like she was confident, overwhelmingly positive. Like even when somebody was being negative, she was just like throwing that kind of like right back at them and being like either yes and or no but or like but always like overwhelmingly positive and just being like well actually yeah this is what I would do and like just seeing her being you know this bigger girl being like you know maybe not popular and all this stuff just knowing she belongs here and knowing that she takes up space and that she deserves to take up space and that this is her spot like when she goes to the dance and she fucking runs right up to the very front of that and is just like, like here I am here Look I am she doesn't let anybody's looks or anything get to her. She is there for herself doing what she knows that she wants to do. And she is just fucking living her life. And I love that. Yeah. I mean, just even that, that first scene when we see her confronted with all of this negativity when she's on the panel and they're considering her for counsel for the Corny Collins show. Mm-hmm. They're throwing all these like fat jokes at her and like making all these comments. And she's like, no, but actually this. And they're like, well, what do you think about integration? She's like, I think integration's great. The, I think the line is like, would you swim in a pool that was integrated or something? And she's like, absolutely. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. Exactly. And then they're just like, well, and then some people react like negative, like, oh, I, well, she's definitely not getting on here because that's the wrong answer. But she's she like, never throws other people under the bus in order to rise above. Never, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. At every single point, she's like, no, I'm in L.A. Why wouldn't I Why wouldn't do, I this? do this? And by doing that, she's not putting anybody down in order to get to where she's going, which is lovely. Yeah. She is so confident and so strong. And like, even when she's in jail, like, oh my I, God. Like, yeah. <laughs> even her, her like cellmates are just like, oh my God, Tracy, you're the best. She's like, I just really hope I can like help more. Like, I just want to get out of here so I can go and help and like be there and like fuck Amber. And I want to go there and show them that like, she's not the face of the youth of Baltimore. Yeah. Like she is what's wrong with people. Like I want to shed a light on this racism, this garbage, like the Von Tussles are trash, but I'm going to go there and I'm going to show them that like, we can be better and I will show them that we can be better. And I'm like, that's so cool. Yeah. And she's like uh, ironing her hair. Oh my God. <laughs> <Before> she, <laughs> because she wants to like have a new do when she shows up and it's just like this straight, like gorgeous, almost belliage blonde to like brown and she's just like yeah yeah it's very cute <laughs> it was it, a cool moment it was really cute like i and she comes out of the jail dancing too <laughs> okay <laughs> like i love that at the end she just like she gets out right because maybell and lil nez fucking handcuff themselves to the governor right oh, and are just that like was cool. this is what you're gonna do hi thanks we're here we're not going away until this is righted yeah. right and then she she gets out of jail and she just literally dances her ass out of jail and then dances her happy ass all the way over to the fucking dance where she shows up and literally like as she's walking on the dance floor the little like you know streamer that's supposed to be the the line she She, like breaks down that line and just is fucking there and amber is doing this dance called the roach which is supposed to be about her like i got rid of this roach whatever right and she takes that and she, like, has this roach dress and everything. And she's just, like, again, she does the yes and when, like, just turns it into a positive, a positive. for her. And I wish that I had that stamina. It was, and, or, like, that to be able to just, like, yes and everything yeah. and to take it and twist and it. just like, turn it on its head, yeah. Fuck. Well, because she took – because the I think the initial comment when they're at the amusement park right before the riot, Amber, in order to distract from the fact that she's, like, not doing so great and that people like Tracy more than her – makes this sort of like classist comment about how Tracy's 
smelly or gross. And she's like, oh my God, there's a roach in her hair. I saw it. And they're like, there weren't roaches. And she's like, but I saw it. She's gross. She doesn't shower and she's disgusting. It's like that kind of a thing. And then when she wins, she's like, look at me stomping the roaches as a callback to that. And then mm-hmm. Tracy shows up and she's like, yeah, I love that dance. Let's do it together. And then she shows up in the roach dress and it's like, <laughs> boom, that's right. What's up, queen? And you're like, all right. Yeah, and then she's like having sick. a fit in the like fucking princess chair. Oh. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I do want to bring up how fucking cool that wig bomb is and how goofy, like, Sonny Bono (laughs) and Debbie (laughs) Harry, yes, 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 are getting ready to go to the thing. And in order to make sure that their daughter wins, if for any instance something goes wrong to where their daughter is not going to win, they put a makeshift bomb in this big Cindy Lou Who beehive wig with a trap door <laughs> and walk into this place with this big ass wig and at the end too it goes off and explodes and that's when they're like dragged out but just like the wig blows up and they're like ah and there's just like a wig flying through the air and i was like this is so gay <laughs> like i love how campy and stoop and like just goofy it's just uh it was such a wonderful and fun moment when i'm like yeah a wig bomb yeah this it, is great it's so- <laughs> Uh, let's keep on the talk with Tracy, because a lot of this, like I said, is Tracy's journey to learning how to be an ally, right? Because, like, uh, that's something that we always talk about, and that is, like, part of the conversation right now is, like, we're all learning, you know, and we're all figuring out how to help other people and what that means and what it looks like to be an ally and all of that. So, like, she starts off her first uh, encounter, like, with racism, is when she says, like, the show should be should be integrated, right? She's, like, trying out for that show, right? And then she starts to call out racism but doesn't do anything. So, like, they're in line to get to the dance. And then the, the black couple can't go in because racism, right? Yeah. And she's like, hey, that's not cool. And they're like, yeah, but what are you going to do about it? Go And she's like, okay, right? So yeah. she starts to call it out. And then the next step is she becomes friends with the, the students of color and admits that, like, that she appropriated the dance moves, right? Like, I learned how to dance by watching you guys, right? Yeah. And so she talks to them and then they start to invite her into their world and, like, kind of, like, enlighten her on, like, some things. Like, hey, yeah. like, here, come with us to this record shop. Let's all dance. Let's, you know, do this. Also, like, them saying, like, this is just segregation. This is what this is. This is what this looks yeah. like. And so she's, as she's like hanging out with them, she's starting to learn what all of this is that she's never had to question being a white woman. Yeah. Right. And then from there, she has a misstep where she's like, I wish I was black. Oh, which so, I want to talk about. Yeah, same, same, same. And then, so after that, then she calls out racism without naming it racism on live TV. She's like, you know, says like, this is for my friends that can't be here because of people with small minds, right? So At the she, amusement park. Just, she doesn't call yep. that out. And then she, like, when the race riot breaks out, then she's just like, fuck it, I'm in. Fuck it, seaweed, come, be on, put your face on TV. Yeah, let's do this. And then she gets thrown in jail. And then her responses after that are always like, okay, you're going to come, like, let's do this, we're going to go here. But she's learning what it means and how to actually help and what is helping and what is not helping. How to use her privilege to benefit those who don't have it. And then at the end, they literally all fucking march on TV together and are just like, fuck this and she's always like yeah why aren't i why aren't i gonna do this Mm -hmm. like so i think her growth as that character is just it was done really well it was yeah because you do i i liked just the development of those small moments where you are seeing her growth like you were saying and like even before they go to the record shop 
uh, Seaweed invites Penny and Tracy to the dance. Yeah. And so they go to that dance where it's like they're literally the only white people in the building. Uh, Tracy and Penny are. But they're they're never like, oh, I don't belong here or anything. Yeah. Like Penny's mom, which Penny's mom is just like, oh, my God, you're trying to take my money. Uh, you're trying to do this. Like you are going to have the experience that you set up for yourself. Yeah, because right? of her own prejudices and her yes. inherent super, super wild racism. She is creating this narrative by being in a black neighborhood and being so afraid of black people that she's immediately, somebody's like, almost like just hello. And she's like, take my money, just take it. I don't need it. And the guy's like, and they're making fun what? of her and they're insulting yeah. her because like, like, yeah, like absolutely. Look, fuck you, bitch. Look at this hysteric white lady being foolish. <laughs> like, who is this person? And then when she gets Penny at the record store, she's like, run for your life. She's just quintessential. She's the one panic. that incites violence. She's the one that pulls out a knife on yes. these people. Yeah. She's the one that is like, you know, she's is barbecue making Becky. a scene. She's barbecue right? Becky. She's all of those people who call the cops on yeah. black community, on black people just living their life in public because they don't like black people and they're afraid of black people, but they're not racist. How does that work? Right. It's, it's literally that. And then being like, well, they were attacking me. It's like somebody was talking to you and you pulled out a knife. You are the aggressor. You yeah. are the one inciting violence. You are the person who is being the antagonist here. Stop. <laughs> Just stop. That was really rough. Yeah. But, but I like how John Waters very clearly creates these characters and very intentionally makes these choices to be like, it's white people's bullshit that are, is being projected onto the black community. And the only people benefiting from that are the white people and the people mm-hmm. who are constantly being degraded and pushed down. It's the black community, especially in this largely black the white community of Baltimore, Maryland in the sixties, the tropes of like white panic and like Penny's mom. It's, it's very clear that like, and then when she even goes, she's like, officer, officer, please help. And then it's like a and black cop. Yeah. And she's like, ah, and just like freaks out. It's like, yeah, this is, I love how cartoonish he's making this, these fragile, fragile white people in this world, because I mean, that's reality. That's true. That's what, <laughs> Well, and it by is. in the way that he frames those people, like yeah. you said, all of the white people that are like hysterical about all mm-hmm. of this, he's doing it in such an over the top, exaggerated way and everything yeah. because it really is over the top and exaggerated in their fucking heads, mm-hmm. you know? And so, like, I love that choice and I think that, that was really smart. And I, I love that they're not really redeemable in any way. Like, the one of the things that's interesting with regards to like more character growth and stuff like that right so like let's go back to tracy how she's like learning to do all this stuff while she's going on this journey her parents are also going on this journey right and her parents they start to go on it at first they're like you should not be dancing to this music and then when she makes it on tv they're like oh cool right and then they just forget about that and then they're they're always kind of like trying to stop her and tell her not to do this but then once she's in it then they're like yeah okay and then once she gets arrested and then they're like we joined the NAACP because this is bullshit. And then, and only then, once it affects them yeah. and once it affects their family, are they able to fully commit to this? And then they are the people that are fucking being super loud and protesting inside of the dance, like, you know, where this, this final thing is going to happen. They are helping to lead that charge and they are not letting themselves be silenced. Yeah. But only because it affects them. But I do like that as sort of like a, a realistic way to frame this kind of, I, I agree, of allyship absolutely. because you have somebody like Tracy who is confident and is willing to be like, oh yeah, this is wrong and I want to do this and not like 
using her privilege for good. And then these sort of secondary allies, when it affects them, that's when it's the most inconvenient. That's when they speak up. But even like that moment, like we joined the NAACP. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so, (laughs) it's just divine yelling that into a news camera. I'm like, this is so goofy, but it really is beautiful watching her parents like, be like, this is fucked. And we've lived in this for so long. Maybe not to that extent that Tracy is, but it's it takes the confidence of a teenager, this young girl, to say this is fucked. And she's really, really doing it, using her privilege for good for her parents to see that this is good and inciting change for the better. And incite and like calling out racism, calling out yeah, white supremacy. They care about their daughter enough and they care about people, I'm gonna argue, enough to be like to be able to see past their own prejudices and the things that they were taught and all of that to be like, Oh, actually, no, this is fucked. And I'm not okay with this. Mm -hmm. And like, so in, in a lot of ways, like, you know, going back to like the unexamined life and everything, this is the moment where they have to like start to see all of the ways that like these things have fucked over like so many people and how many people's lives are affected by this and everything. And so rather than fighting against that or pretending that it doesn't exist, whenever they're exposed more to this inequality and to the world, really, that's when they like, rather than just being like, Oh no, Oh my God. Right. Like Penny's mom, they are like, they're scared at first, but then they're like, no, this is not okay. Yeah. Like, no, fuck this. To the point to where they are actively screaming and yelling at the end for equality or yeah. for, like, integration and stuff like that, like racial integration. I also like them as a as – a, so if Tracy's parents are the sort of stagnant, complacent side of what white privilege offers yeah. white citizens – oh, sorry, Von Tussle, the Von Tussles. They are the exact opposite. They are the cognizant white supremacists. They are the ones who understand that, like – we have the power and we can't let anybody else take it. They had so many like lines of like suprem- like there's uh there's the one I had to look one up because it was real bad and I was like what does this even mean? It's like I, I forget what it is but like the connotation essentially is remember Amber's trying to uh, at every turn trying to discredit Tracy, right? So she says things like, "Oh, well she was nude in a car once" or "Oh, like she uh, <laughs> she was naked in a car. Yeah, she was naked outside of a movie theater, right? I love and then that. she like says that she's queer and then she says like she is doing literally everything she can and one of the things that she uses is um a slur that I'm not going to repeat that is uh she is a white black person right like because she's like you know saying that oh well she's really black she just has light skin and like that's this fucking horrible slur that i was like i i wrote it down and i was like what does this mean i need to know what this means and Mm -hmm. i looked it up and i was like but like she's literally trying to like oh man just well because then even that line uh her parents are saying until your father and i are forced to integrate at least act white on television oh yeah like that was verbatim they were talking to her daughter also, uh, I think the person who says queer, they use the term um, spastic as a way of making her feel small and uh, chaotic. This is Penny and Tracy talking about Amber on television because they don't like her. Oh. She says little spastic. Uh, uh, she's such a queer. They're, it's the beginning. They're watching TV and they say it about Amber on TV. And then Amber says, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Uh, so, and that was, I, I, I think if it hadn't been John Waters and they use language, like we're all, well, also, if we want to talk about the language, the use of the R word in its capacity to uh, describe. And I think what, okay. 
I think what's important about that is shedding light on the idea of what quote unquote special ed meant in this movie where special yeah. ed was just where they sent black kids. Uh, who... Well, there's, there's a line where, um, where Tracy straight calls it out. She's like, that's where you send the not nice word for mentally handicapped. Right. And the black kids that you try to hold back. Yes. That's verbatim. And I says, love yeah. that she's aware of that yeah. and she knows that. Mm-hmm. And she gives that straight back to the principal. She does, and yeah. let's revisit the fact that the reason she's going to special education is because she has ratted her hair. And then this opens the entire conversation about hair. Hair mm-hmm. as a point of contention for uh, marginalized groups where the exoticism of, like, black hair and how that's used as a way to degrade uh, a marginalized community, right? And so... The whole quote unquote ratted of a hair. It's like, well, you, it's, I think it's, it's just a not so cleverly disguised version of being like, well, you don't want ratted hair because you don't want to be black. Like it's, it's, it's a way of, of belittling, uh, black people yeah. more so in a way. It's like, well, if you're a white person and you have hair like this, it's like, well, you just like want to be black. So you're bad too. It's, 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 it's just more of this, uh, regressive language and the whole like, even now, like, when white people are like, wow, your hair is so cool. And like, whatever, these microaggressions of like, can I touch your hair? It's like, whoa. And and see me as like a white cis male. I literally have no place to speak on that because I, I've never had that experience and I never will have that experience. I won't know what that is like, but I understand that as a white person, don't fucking touch people's like, it's, it's, it's just this small way of exoticizing somebody else and furthermore othering somebody else and making somebody feel like, yeah, you're definitely not one of us, right? Like, look how different you are. Look at this. And it's like, fucking stop it. And so the mm-hmm. language like ratted hair is just another one of those small moments where it's like, yeah, this big hair, like you can't have that. And she's like, I like it. That shouldn't even matter. And it's like, they're making it an issue because of their own personal racism and where she doesn't see it as, as such. They're like, no, you can't be like that. It's like, ah, that's wild. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, uh, the, the way that I read like the, the height of the hair, Right. Is I felt like that was like rebellion. Like, you know, oh, absolutely. And, and like a lot of what we do to tell young women, like, you know, like here are the trends. Like, Cause she's like, I am an icon of fashion. Right? Yeah. And when we are keeping up with the trends and everything, like, you know, just policing what women do with their bodies and how they present themselves and things like that. And yeah. like, oh, well, this dress is too short or well, this or oh, well, you need to fall in line. Yeah. Um, so I read that as more of like, like a rebellious type thing. And then like when she flattens her hair at the end, right. Cause like, because she's a rebel in this whole thing. Right. And she's like helping to like, she's at the forefront of like racial integration and things like that. And so when she is in prison, I like flattering her hair. Cause uh, Penny also flatterns her hair at the yeah. same time. Right. I kind of took that as like a sly way to be like, now everybody is just in this together. Like the, the normalization of, integration and of like you know uh these ideals being here i that's how i read that or like i I was like is that what this is like is that what this is supposed to represent because like they make a big deal to show that they iron the hair yeah you know what i mean yeah so i I think that's also possible because it's like like the normalization of it because now they just have normal white girl hair i think so i think it also could if if we're looking at the hair as like a point of uh rebellion it could be like we've made our point and we're here to celebrate we're here to like this was the point. The point was like, 
we need an upset. We need to change the status quo. We need to change the conversation. And the only way to do that is to physically and visibly be different in some capacity. And so for her, it was like the hair, even though that was trending, uh, teachers would still demean you and and criticize and punish you for Mm -hmm. the height of your hair. You know, (laughs) there was also just a wonderful line. (laughs) It was so goofy when they're playing dodgeball. She sees Penny and she runs to Penny and Penny's like, what happened, Tracy? I don't know what's going on. And then uh, Tracy's just like, they put me in special ed because of my hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's, this is fun. I, yeah, it's very funny. Um, so back to like allyship of, of Tracy and even her missteps within that. When they go to the dance, they're outside, um, the all black dance, they're outside yes. in the alleyway. Seaweed and Penny are falling in love and they're like making out and she's like, go to second, go to second, whatever. <laughs> Behind the wall. <laughs> yes, tra- girl. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yes, 100%. Also, the, um, it's important to note that during this time, it is actually illegal to be a mixed-race couple in Baltimore. So that's another So that's thing. a huge, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they're in the alleyway. Like, both both couples are making out. And then Link and um, Tracy are also making out. And there's that whole scene where, like, she says, Oh, Link, I wish I was dark-skinned. Yeah. Yeah. Only I wish it was dark skin. And he replies, Tracy, our souls are black, even if our skin is white. (laughs) I don't know how to unpack this because that is so troubled, but I think that that's also like so, like. It's just so inherently white, isn't it? It's like white white feminism, white, like, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's just very much like. Gosh, we're so good. Look at all this good we've done. We might as well be a part of the black community. And you're like, yeah. Argh. And you're like, ah, really? <laughs> it's so. And as soon as that happened, I had to rewind it a couple times, and I was like, oh, oh for sure. my god. But like adding to the conversation of allyship in this way, where yes, she's still white, and he's still like white. These are still white presenting people in a racially segregated Baltimore, right? So even if she is questioning things and using her privilege, at least at this stage, sometimes for good. She's still a white person saying stupid white shit like like this. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that that is also important because, you know, on so many people's, like, roads to educating themselves about this stuff, like, yeah. everybody is going to mess up. Hopefully not, but, I mean, like, that's – it's just being human. Yeah. Right? And so, like, when you – like, I wish that they had acknowledged this later, right, and then, like, you know, uh, confronted that. But, like, because there's – at no point does Tracy have to, like, acknowledge the thing that, that – like, face herself or, like, her missteps, like yeah. you said. Right? She always just moves forward. Yeah. And so, like, this is one where I would have liked them to go back to this and be like, hey, what did you mean by that? But, yeah. I think part of me kind of <laughs> likes that they didn't because of the impact of, like, the reality that that holds where white mm-hmm. people having con- – like, I mean, even us right now, white people just having conversations about – integration and black communities and and microaggressions against marginalized people i mean we're both white presenting people right so not to say that this is us but just in the greater idea of like like you were saying white feminism and this whole like look how good we've done look like look how much good we've done for this marginalized group like ah and there's no there's no like self-policing in that way there's no What did you actually do? Like, what is this? It, it was just like this moment where these two white people are like, "Oh, we might as well be black." Oh, and then like, like romanticizing that again. They're like romanticizing the idea, yeah, which is another way of just exoticizing black communities and mm-hmm. black people. And that whole idea, where it's if we're going to strip it all the way down, it's propifying 
humanity. It's propifying these types of people and 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 seeing them more as like an object, as a commodity, as something that they can have or take or become mm-hmm. in any capacity, and not seeing them as a person. It's missing the humanity of it and just seeing it as the self-congratulatory propifying of a culture. And mm-hmm. it's like, ooh. Without what? trying to fix their own, right? Because yes. like white people culture sucks or like that we don't have that or yeah. we don't have like a sense of community or stuff like that. Like yeah. at least I feel like that just because of my own personal experiences in life yeah. and all this other stuff, right? Like I don't have traditions. I don't have this. I don't have that. But that doesn't mean that I get to take that from other communities and things like that, you know? And so like – White supremacist patriarchy would disagree. Uh, <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> but that like, means they can take anything. <laughs> but, like, you know, like, and that's... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's a bigger talk, but I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's... And I think in this small moment where they have this, I'm kind of happy that they didn't come back to it because it still reiterates this idea that, like, even though Tracy is the main character and she is bringing about all this wonderful change, she's still just kind of an ignorant white person who has privileged from the racial segregative community of Baltimore in the 60s. She still reaps all of those benefits no matter how good she does. Like, fuck yeah, Tracy, you're dope. You've used your privilege for such wonderful things and you're doing this thing, but it's still showing these moments of, like, whiteness in its ugliest form uh, here in this movie without commenting on it, without making her see herself or put a mirror up to it. It's just like, that's still her. (laughs) She still did it. She's still right there. Cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. That's, she's, she's not perfect, which is good. She's not perfect. And because that's a boring character. Yeah. Right? And because of that, like most white people, they never have to confront those moments for themselves because oftentimes it's around other white people who have those same ideals. So I like that as a choice not to return to it and mm-hmm. not to have – because we just have to sit with that, that like this person who we like is still shitty mm-hmm. and they never confront it again, you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, while we're talking about that, can we talk about Penny and Seaweed? Because yes. um, I love Penny. Like, Penny, her introduction, like, she's just, like, uh, the relationship that she has with Tracy, they're very yes and. They're yes. very, like, get it, girl. Like, you know, do this, right? She's so supportive of her friend. She's so supportive. And uh, and they also, and, like, they're both supportive of each other, yeah. right? Without oh, yeah. being, like, overtly, I support you. Just, like, just she's by there. actually being that and by saying, like, yeah, absolutely, do that. And so, like, Penny is, like, uh, standing off to the side of the dance, like, you know, with her jawbreaker, with her right? Little and then, yeah. and then, like, you know, she gets, like, you know, to dance with this dude, and then he's, like, turns out to be, like, yeah, whatever, right? And she's, like, sure, whatever, thank you, next. Yeah. And then she goes straight to the next guy. Like, she does not, like, she doesn't sit there and be, like, oh, he doesn't like me, whatever. She's just, like, cool, you want to dance? Like, I love that yeah. because she just doesn't give him the satisfaction like they had a dance like but i feel like in so many fun. other films like it would have been like oh he didn't want to dance i'm just gonna sit here sad or i'm gonna try to get him to like me or i'm gonna try i'm gonna go home yeah like but she was just like literally thank you next goodbye yeah and then and she doesn't really like anybody until like seaweed comes along and she's just immediately just like head over heels yeah they both person. fall for each other they they fall hard and yeah. she never we never see her question that like yeah and i love that i love that too i do think there is something to be said though uh just in way of i don't it's not an overt part of the story but because her mother is so manipulative and abusive emotionally and physically to her daughter and is such a fucking racist um i think there's an inherent i want to rebel within her that mm-hmm. possibly 
like when this moment because prese- she's always punished anyway. Yeah. So when right. this moment presents itself, she's yes, punished she's- until after death. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly right. But in this moment, as it presents itself, yes, she's attracted to seaweed. But how cool would it feel for me to be dating a black guy because my mom is such a racist. So I think that's not like an overt thing, but I do think that that played into it a little bit, even though her character doesn't really exhibit that in any way. She's kind of just kind of go with the flow. She's very just like optimistic and and, and positive and very peppy and being like, oh, I don't need to dance. It's fine. Like, I'm just going to stay here. You go do your thing. I'm going to have fun. Like, I'm just having fun. And even when her mom comes and like physically pulls her out of that record shop, she's like, kind of just happy to be there. And she like sees seaweed and she's like, yeah. And they do that like sexy dance. Oh, okay. (laughs) <laughs> the sexy dance the um, dirty boogie the dirty boogie um that the <laughs> so did you know the box move when he dropped so it's link and tracy and i was just like damn this is okay john waters she ropes him over so oh, i know yeah, we're like yeah. jumping she ropes yeah. him over into the middle of the dance floor they're doing that like little hand together like hip thrust thing he draws a box in the air in front of tracy's face and sticks his tongue through it Oh, did you see damn. that? I Straight, didn't even notice so that. So they're dancing and he just draws a square box and he's just like, Bleh. and like in her face and they keep dancing. And that's when Penny's mom shows up. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> fuck. Okay, John Waters. And that's when I was like, oh, yeah. Well, that's is- what got him kicked off of the show, yeah, right? Hey. You know, and I love that he threw that in there. Same. And it's I, like, yeah. yeah, you think we're doing this? We totally are. Yeah. <laughs> this is this- what we're doing behind your back. Yep. This is exactly <laughs> what we're doing. You think we're. Being sexual, yes, we are. Yeah, we absolutely are. Without a doubt. But Penny was... Um, well, and like, that's, like, again, when it directly affects her, right? When she can't get into the, the studio because seaweed is black, right? Yeah. She is just like, fuck this. I am protesting right the fuck now because, like, this is bullshit. And then Tracy hears that inside and Tracy starts to protest inside and mm-hmm. gets, like, kicked out, right? Yep. But, like, I love that that solidarity, you know? Like, again, that female friendship that yeah. just, like, oh, my friend can't come in with her boyfriend. I hear now her. Now it's a problem. And now I'm going to make this your problem, too. Yeah. At every point, she uses her success and her celebrity and all that to try to help other people. Yeah. And I... Love how, like, it's not like, oh, well, this is going to hurt my career or anything. She's just, without a second thought, just like, I was so here for that. Like, I love that. It's seeing somebody use their platform for literal good, despite what consequences might result from it. One of the reasons why I hate Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And she should not get credit late in the game for, I just, I fucking, whatever. That's my own opinion, but she's boring and white and whatever. Um, Basic. Yeah, I just like, you have such a platform. Ugh. Use it for... Mm, okay. But um, one of the lines that I really also loved, uh, going back to um, Tracy's parents, at the end when Amber is on TV, Tracy's mom says is watching the Corny Collins show, and she's like, I watched that tramp, and I'm embarrassed to be white. Oh, yeah. I was like... <laughs> I, I paused it, and I like rewatched it, and I was like, same. Yeah. Same. I know. I just love it. Like, you, fuck Amber. <laughs> you see such... like. These small moments of – so Divine reminded me with the sort of whimsy and optimism of like a Tina Belcher – or sorry, uh, Linda Belcher oh, from yeah, Bob's yeah. Burgers where she says some kind of goofy shit sometimes. But at, at the end of the day, she's very like, oh, I didn't know that. And that was a mistake that I made. I'm going to be better. Yeah. I support you. And I love this. So go yeah. on. And she, she yeah. never like discredits her kid either. She's just like – Oh shit! Okay, cool. I see this. Like, I see you. Because like, there's no ageist bullshit or anything. Nope. There's none of that. She's just like, 
Oh, damn. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like, I yeah. love that. Like, I, I feel like uh, as much as this is, like, Tracy learning how to be an ally, this is also a mother-daughter story, too. Yeah. And, like, the different dynamics in each – because, like, the dads are just kind of there, right? Yeah. Um, this is a female film. Yes. Right? And this is a person of color <laughs> film, you know? Yeah. This is This is what this is about. But, like, so the mother-daughter relationships, like – so we have, like, Tracy and her mom who – she's, like, unaware but willing to change and support her daughter. Yes. We have Amber uh, and her mom who – Amber's mom is trying to live vicariously through her daughter by forcing her goals and values on her, mm-hmm. right? And, like, forcing her to dance and forcing her to do this faster, 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 Boomer right? culture. And then – Penny, who's, like, all religious, strict, and, like, just, like, fucking persecutes her daughter yeah. just nonstop just yeah. because. Just because, like, this is not what God wants. Or yeah, won't. it's religious-based. Where she literally locks up her daughter and puts her in a straitjacket and stuff like that. Like, Oh, yeah, that and is her so room fun. is a jail cell. Yeah. <laughs> her room is literally a jail cell. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think I love that we got different portrayals of white motherhood mm-hmm. and, like, how slippery of a slope that is. <laughs> yeah. So. I kind of want to talk about this. I didn't really write it down, but it's kind of like, I've been thinking about it today. There was sort of a really casual belittlement of mental illness when talking about this movie. Um, just in use of like the R word when they're talking about kids in special ed. They use that term a few times throughout the movie yeah. just to like degrade. And like, that's a term that was used and still is being used by people with it's something to degrade people with mental illness, but also um, John Waters's cameo where he's like trying to, he, he, Penny's mom thinks she's mentally ill for falling in love with seaweed. And so she like locks her up and gets John, like John Waters is like, uh, I don't know what his title would be, but what Penny's mom would see as like a mental health specialist or a doctor or mm-hmm. some kind. But that's her is just some random guy with a straight jacket and a spinny hypno wheel to be like, you don't like black boys. You don't like black boys. Like look into the wheel. Like, so I'm trying to brainwash her. I'm trying to brainwash her into, uh, (laughs) continually being a white supremacist. Right. But the movie doesn't really, uh, I don't know. I think the only problem I had with it was it's unrelenting kind of punching down on the idea of mental illness. I felt like it did it frequently enough to where it felt like a little like uh um i don't know if i had that same read i did definitely from the way that they used um special ed yeah um so but, their use of that i think and the arbor was absolutely um but yeah. i think i think they were just trying to show how desperate her mom is because i don't think it was necessarily i mean yeah i guess like it was like mental illness like you know my daughter like she's brainwashed or whatever yeah. right but I think that that more had to do with religious control than anything else. Anything because, else. Uh, And I think that was a comment on how religion has viewed uh, mental illness. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, so I didn't read that as the film doing that. I read that as uh, like the film the portraying world. religious ideals on uh, on how they feel – how religion treats mental illness. Oh, yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? Yes, it does. I suppose that's true. Uh, yeah. Because it wasn't like, you know, the only person that was like, this needs to happen or this, she's, she's sick is the religious part of this film. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I agree with you there. For me. But John Waters being in his own film as like that, like. (laughs) I love that. Because then when he comes into the room with the hypno wheel and the cattle prod and he's like, did he say like black boy Um, and would like zap her? 
Yeah. Sort of a Pavlovian dog training thing. And I was like, oh, this is all fucked. (laughs) But yeah, I I felt like that is how um, mental illness is treated in religion and how they treat um, independent thought. Yes. Or descending thought. Like, right. So anything that contradicts or. Yeah. 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 Um, But the next thing that I want to talk about, I really want to talk about the protests and form of protests that the people of color take in this film. Yeah. So like just dancing in itself and everything is a form of protest, right? Trying to dance with white people is a form of protest, right? Like even just showing up, knowing they're going to be turned away is a, is a protest, right? And like making them acknowledge, like we wrote this song, you know, or like this is our music, but they're not allowed to dance to their own music. Yeah. And it was so sprinkled in just so slyly that like, you know, it just it was a really great way that John Waters like built this world, you yeah. know, to be like these black people like created this music, but they're not allowed to dance to this music. It's only for white people who then also not only appropriate the music, but appropriate the dance moves and appropriate all this other stuff. Truly. No, and, and I think that's that's like intentional, yes, but also a bigger conversation about the appropriation of rock music in general, right? Because mm-hmm. rock music was black music until mid to late 40s when it was starting to become appropriated by white artists and literally people like Elvis Presley who would steal songs yeah. or redo songs, but like black culture, but make it white. You know what I mean? Uh, the, the music industry has been fucked for a very long time, but uh, the people that have suffered the most for sure are black artists and like the appropriation of uh, of their art and not being even credited for it, not being allowed to, not even being allowed to enjoy their music or yeah. to hear their music. And that's so fucked not being allowed to be seen. Like that is truly, truly just, ugh, I, I hated that. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was so palpable. I think what this film did uh, is it did a really good job of like painting at the beginning, like here's some tension. Right. Yeah. And then, Throughout the film, just having it boil up just a little bit, like, and it, it was just so well paced that, like, by the end, when there's the the fair happening and there's like the the protest outside, right? You have the black community outside chanting "racist people everywhere" against the white supremacists that are literally directly opposite them, with fucking Confederate flags and nooses. Yeah. Like, you know, so they are like directly confronting this, and I think that one of the things that this film did so well is. I think it showed that uh, change doesn't happen by following the rules. The rules can be made or whatever. You have to enforce them. You have to, like, live change. You can't just, you know, hope that it happens. Yeah. And they, like, this film was absolutely, like, uh, black people taking their space. All the way up till, like, you know, the big dance number at the end. Like, they didn't wait for anybody to allow them to be on screen. They all just fucking ran in there together yeah. and did it. We're doing this now. You know? And it wasn't just like, you know, the the parents doing this work. And it wasn't like – it was the kids. The kids were at that fucking protest. Yep. You know, like um, when they handcuffed them, uh, themselves to the governor to try to get Tracy freed, it is Lil Inez and, and Mabel, right? Yeah. And they, you like, know – we're here now. We're in your home. Yeah, Let's it, talk. It's not just something for the parents to do. It's not just something for – it is everybody's fight. And everybody has to get in and just make it happen. Yeah. As a narrative of, like, young people who inspire change, like we were talking about with the Grinch, it's, like, just the confidence of of young people who aren't afraid to question authority. They aren't afraid to question the ideals of a racist world, of a world that is misogynistic, that puts women down, that puts marginalized groups in the marginalized places. Like, they choose to do this in this patriarchal white supremacist society. Young people who aren't afraid to be, like, 
you know what this is? This is exactly that. It is a white supremacist, white systemic, patriarchal structure. And you are putting these people in their place. And I'm not going to stand for that. And we are going to talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about why you're wrong. Let's talk about why you've done this wrong for years and decades and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. Why you are incorrect in every way. We're questioning that. Mm-hmm. Tell us, convince us we're wrong. You can't because we're right. <laughs> like yeah. these young people. And I, this, I, I, like, I love that so much. It's why I have so much hope for like uh, Gen Z kids. I feel like Same. Gen Z kids are so much more... They, ha- they contain within them so much more confidence. Yeah. It's like, I, oh, fuck, you're so – it's just – it's so heartwarming to me to see young people in that way and, like, just being largely, as a generation, so inclusive and so welcoming and so willing to admit ignorance and grow and learn from it and so willing to embrace queer people and 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 people of color and marginalized groups and, and understand that, like – we all exist in so many different ways and that's cool and that's awesome. And embracing that and using that as fuel for growth and fuel for change, right? Like we all exist and that's sick. And it's just, I feel like no other generations had that. In this yeah. capacity. In this capacity or yeah. at such a young age. Like these 15, 16 year olds are just like, yeah, fuck yeah. These are, these are my beliefs. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> well, because there's like spaces where they're able to express themselves without yeah. fear or without like, yeah. I mean, again, I feel like the internet has just done so much good Yeah, uh, for all the harm it's done. It's done so much good. Yeah, I, um, I agree. But yeah, I, I, I really, really like this film. Um, I guess. And uh, so the reason that John Waters wanted to write this is because he, like wanted to like tell this story, but have it have a good ending. Yeah. And that was his motivation for doing that. That's really cool. Isn't that great? And like the reality of it where it was not a good ending. Yeah. So um, good, good for him. This is a, this is a great story that needed to be told. And I really, I really enjoyed this. It's a great movie. It really is. If you have not seen Hairspray, the original with John Waters, it is so worth its watch. And if you haven't seen a John Waters movie, uh, I think it's a cool place to start. This is a great place to start. This is, yeah. again, the most accessible film. Yes. Um, John Waters is great and we love him. Yes, absolutely. Here we go. In a racially divided 1960s Baltimore, Tracy Turnblad gets her chance at local stardom when she is invited to join the council on the Corny Collins Dance Show after being taught how to dance by students of color in detention. She catches the eye of self-obsessed Link Larkin and begins to hear the bells. Threatened by her big body and big ideals, the villainous Von Tussles make it their personal mission to take down Tracy and everything she represents. As Tracy and her friends are welcomed into the black community, they become aware that Negro Day, oh no, on the Colin Collins show has been canceled. <laughs> Tracy tells Mama Maybell they should protest. Ooh, grateful for her idea. They march together and are met by a police blockade. Tracy hits a policeman with her protest sign, inciting mass incarceration, and runs away to save herself. (sighs) After a wacky chain of events, Tracy makes it to the show, makes it integrated, and the little Inez is crowned queen. Dancing Dancing ensues. ensues. There's so much to talk about with this fucking thing. So this one is narratively is way messier in in the sense of it lacks any sort of like direction. So John water, the movie happened, right? And then it got taken to Broadway 
and Broadway. Was, Broadway and was turned into a musical where I have not seen the stage production of this, but I'm assuming uh-huh. a lot of what made the original movie Hairspray uh, gets sort of watered out of the <laughs> film um, because a lot. I feel like a lot of the conversations narratively about segregation in a race, it kind of gets glossed over or is lyrically in the songs, but it's like small parts of the songs. And also I feel like a lot of the onus for change just falls onto Tracy, who is a white presenting in this. And they take a lot of the power and importance away from the black community who is at the end of the day, inciting the change. Yeah. They give the power to the white people. I hated this. And I agree with what you said. I feel like this is the watered down. Um, Hollywood version. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I understand, this is like a pretty good adaptation of the Broadway show. Yeah. Right. I fucking hate this so much. Like, I feel like they took away so much of the importance of what the film was talking about and yes. going through and how it built tension and how it built the characters to. Like, they're all just watered-down versions of what they were supposed to be. Yeah. And they took a lot of um, the – I don't know – okay, I don't know why the fuck they decided to take away from – like, I have I have almost no notes for Tracy. I have no notes for Penny. <laughs> I have no notes for anybody other than the fucking parents, and I hate it. Yeah. Like, why the fuck <laughs> did Michelle Pfeiffer need to be, like, this big, grand – like, why – why did Amber's mom, Miss Von Tussle, have to be given this greedy backstory? Why the fuck did uh I mean she's Miss Baltimore Crabs. Uh why? Why? <laughs> why did um Tracy's parents, why did they need to be half of this fucking movie? Yeah, they were like, half of this movie. I don't care about them. This is not their fucking story. This is about racial tension and segregation and how to be an ally and all this other stuff. Yeah. And they turned it into a movie about fucking white people. Yeah. And about like the most boring white people because, like, they turned, like, so Miss Von Tussle, like, you know, dad's not in the picture and she just is pretty and is this person and uses sex to get everything that she wants. Meanwhile, which we love, uh, super love, <laughs> right? And then the fucking, uh, first of all, John Travolta as the mom is awful. Is Fucking horrible. It's actually an affront to the gay community at large. Like, Uh, it is an absolute garbage situation. We couldn't find a real drag queen. We had to put him in this movie. We had to put this closeted gay who hurts the gay community into the movie as a drag queen. No, ma'am. Fuck him so hard. Yeah. And so, like, I, like, I didn't realize what a big part that, like, I didn't realize this whole fucking movie was going to be about, uh, Tracy's mom. So when I saw John Travolta on screen, I was like, Okay, at least he's not in it a lot, oh, right? No. But the whole fucking movie was about him. She gets like 28 how, minutes of screen time or something uh, bonkers. It's probably it's like an hour yeah. because this movie is like <laughs> two and a half hours long and like an hour and a half of it centers on the fucking parents and it's so boring and like then daddy is christopher walken and he has his like little joke shop or whatever Mm -hmm. and like not only did they make this about the parents but they didn't even give them like real like fleshed out backstories or anything because like part of the reason so miss von tussle goes and part of her attempt to like sabotage tracy right is going to fuck her dad because that's what she does (laughs) right but like and so like they've already established They established that 
Tracy's mom doesn't um, like she her husband hasn't like really looked at her in a long time yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. But he is so fucking I don't even know the word, but he like is so thick headed that he doesn't realize that Amber's mom is trying to hit on Tracy's dad. Right. To mm-hmm. try to like incite this whole thing. And then later on, like, you know, he's like, oh, I only have eyes for your mom. Fuck you. Like you're and all of a sudden, like you're going to like he he's he neglects her. There's a line where Jonathan Travolta says, <laughs> Jonathan Travolta. <laughs> Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan you're Travolta. so mad at him you're doing the parent thing we're like jonathan travolta come here right I now i have like the parent figure right now jonathan well, travolta jonathan you need, edward travolta you need to go to bed yeah. this is not your fucking movie and this is not your story to tell fuck you i hate yeah. you and uh, uh. and then they tried to like okay another thing that i hated about well we'll get back into like daddy at this uh, but like another thing i hated about john travolta's character is they referenced all of these other films that he was in so they referenced pulp fiction when he's like oh you want to make a lot of money uh learn how to take blood out of a car upholstery right all of that and those things like there are certain lines mm. when i was looking up shit for this movie was like literally put in there to be like oh remember he was in this movie oh remember he like so it's not ever so i didn't notice that at all and that's gross it's not like and there's like several lines like that referencing his other films and stuff like that so this film not only like does it not want it it doesn't want you to forget that this is jonathan travolta playing a woman it never wants you I'm sorry. No, I, I, I just every I'm just, time I just Jonathan. I'm, just I'm so not, mad. I'm holding I'm, my hair out right now because I fucking hate him. I feel like I'm never gonna hear his name again without thinking Jonathan Travolta. <laughs> oh, that's gorgeous. I absolutely love it. So, um, okay. Uh, while we're on, <laughs> while we're on Jonathan Travolta, <laughs> yeah. um, this entire character is written as. Uh, it's supposed to be like relatable and sad and tragic, but this character exists as one giant fat joke. Yes. Literally, it never like while it's trying to bring her up or bring her relatable when like when they said that she hadn't left the house in eleven years. That was like, I mean, it was boring the way that they did it and the musical number or whatever. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was on my phone the whole fucking time because this was so bad. I haven't left this house since 1981. So I know this song's very well. Like, it's, <laughs> yes, I, I hated so, like, that so much. And I, like, oh, okay. Like you haven't left in 11 years. Cool. Let's talk about that. Let's, let's, cause uh, she hadn't left the house. She gives a specific date. It was like in the 1960s. 1961 or 51. Did I say it, 81? It was 19, uh, 1952. And the film takes place in 1963. Okay. So 11 years, she hadn't left the house. Yeah. Right. So that's 11 years that she's been neglected by her husband. Yeah. She hasn't gone to one parent teacher conference. She hasn't been to like any part of her husband's and he like, and she has this line too later about how he stays at the joke shop working late nights and doing all of this. And that's just what a man does. He's not, uh, I, I have it written down, but it's like men always put their career first. Don't take it personal. Oh yeah. He's got a fucking joke shop and he, his job he is like, he joke. lives <laughs> upstairs from his joke shop. It's not home. like, yeah. uh, so, uh, and she hasn't even been down there. Like that's really hard. Right. So, okay, cool. Let's go with that. But instead they decide to just sweep that under the rug and then make this about them rekindling a romance, which is dumb. And then they decide that, like, 
That's not even a footnote in her character. Like, it wasn't as big of a deal as I think it needed to be. No. Right? But, it but was that's just what like, this that's what this musical did is it took a lot of moments that should have been moments or like pieces of narrative, pieces of plot, pieces of storytelling that like are integral to the yeah. telling of this story. And they just added as like little like the couplet rhyme for this small moment in a song. And then that's how they're telling the story. Which and then is we don't see her musicals, like talk about it or feel yeah, yeah. Uh, like that's just like well, it's hard for me to get out of the house, right? Yeah. And, uh, like, the entire time she's putting herself down because of her weight, right? She's like, I can't let people see me like this. I was a size 10 the last time I went out. Yeah. Or I can't go outside. I can't be on TV because I'm this weight. Like, we get these moments of, like, every, like, so much of the dialogue around, like, this character is, like, is another character making a fat joke. Or yes. is, like, there's, like, moments where it's, like, she's getting dressed up and then they open the curtains while she's, like, in her bra and underwear and stuff like that just to make fun of her. Yeah. Like, that that's the only reason that was there. And that was so shitty. While they were trying to, like lift her up and make her relatable and everything, they ended up just really making her the butt of the joke and making her, like, I, I, I fucking hated this. So I will fully say yes. So anything that the Divine character had developed as being a relatable character or somebody, a, a, a sort of a beacon of growth, even if their growth is relatively problematic, they stripped that character of all of that, and the only thing they left in was the fact that she's fat. Entirely. Well, and then And then she even, like, whenever she's trying to, like, be a part of Tracy's life, it feels like, or get involved. Like, she is literally just going and saying, like, you shouldn't be here. Like, she's taking, trying to take her from the dance that's um, yeah. held at uh, Mama Maybell's shop, right? And then... And, and the only and thing that keeps her there is the is food. Is the food! Yeah. Like, you know, it's not like that, you know, Queen Latifah is like, hi, like, you know, you are welcome here. Would you please, like, again, like, them having to, like, in, like, you know, welcome us into their lives and all yeah. this stuff, because nobody's going to give them that same courtesy, which is bullshit. Yeah. But then, like, so she doesn't stay because she feels welcome. She stays for the food. Yeah. And that is fucked up. And then later on, too, like, she's at the protest with her daughter, and she's only there because she's trying to tell her daughter that she needs to go home. Yeah. She's not a good character. And also... Like you said, she's in it way too much. This is her fucking movie. They took away everything that made that character relatable or good or growth. They stripped her all of that to be a fat joke. But then they gave her like 12 more scenes. They took this relatively interesting character, relatively rich or seemingly like a character for growth for us to see and be like, wow, great. Took all that away and then amplified that shit in the movie. And I will say... I do not like their romance thing. That's ridiculous. I hate that. That of the songs, and I will say I love the fucking songs. That song sucks. <laughs> that song is not a good song. When they're in the patio and like dancing, and- I'll be honest. When I was watching this film, like at any time, it got to a point. Any time that anything happened with them, I just like. Zoned Literally, I, I couldn't help it. I yeah. zoned out and I was on my phone. So like I was like, oh, they're doing a musical number. And I was like, <laughs> like on my phone and I look up and then they're in like Spanish. Like, well, then when like, they do like the, ball, the ballroom and then the Spanish. And I was like, like I looked up and I was like, this yeah. is boring. And yeah. I just like I didn't pay attention to any of that. It, well, it's it's not interesting and it's not part of the movie, really. Like <sighs> they took this film about racial integration and made it about white people. So, and it sucks because. About not white allies, <sighs> literally about like two old people that are having a hard time 
and like rekindling their love. They make Tracy way less likable, like way less likable. Dude, like she's not even a part of like she's. she's She's not confident at all. She has to have people say like, oh, like uh, when she goes to the dance, instead of like fucking marching her way up to the front, right? She's like, oh, I don't know. And then like, you know, she has so much less confidence in this. Like, They just turned down the volume on all these interesting characters and then turned up the volume on the music is what happened. But, okay, so watching uh, the first one, with this, like, back-to-back, and then having watched the first one before, and having watched this new one, like, a bunch of times. Because I love the music. I will say, I I do, I, like, I saw this in theaters, I was like, fuck yeah, this shit's sick. Um, watching them back-to-back, it is really interesting to see how dull the story compares to the original John Waters movie. Like, they, it really did, like, nosedive into, like, Oh, yeah, I guess that is what this was about. That's what that was about. So, but to me, and again, I haven't seen the musical stage production, so I cannot say for certain. Shelby, please correct me later because you were in it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So please talk to me about this later. I think the musical did mess that up. I think that the stage production, when you translated this, this narrative into the stage play, you have to take out stuff and you have to, like, do that, especially if you're tossing in all these songs, which take up the bulk of the story, right? But I think there was a way to do that without sacrificing the content the, the sort of the content of character literally the content of character of this world and these people in this world who are trying to to elicit change to to use their power of privilege for change right and to like better their community the movie musical does not do any of that really at all for the most part um even like you were saying when they go to uh, mother maybell's record shop the reason they're there is cuz I guess Seaweed invites them in the same way at the movie, but then Mother Maybell, who's played by Queen Latifah, says that they're having a party, and the reason that they're having the party is because their day on the Corny Collins show is being canceled, so they're being erased from television. The one day that they have to be visible, to be black, to be a part of the community, televised community of Baltimore, Maryland, is getting taken away. And the person who saves the day, or is just like, what if we protested, was Tracy... I hated that. I also... (laughs) What? Okay. I hated that in this... everyone was so helpless. Like, when that happened, like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. And then the white person has to be like, well, there is something. And it's like... Yeah, it was was very like, oh, look it, we can do this, right? Like, and I I really, really hated that. I hated that this was about... (sighs) The first film was about, like, this is what you have. And I'm going to take more. Yeah. More needs to happen. This is what needs to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And this one was the the little thing that we have now was taken away. So now I need to fight for this. It wasn't fighting for bigger and broader change. It was fighting to keep what they had is what it felt like. The, the catalyst for trying to fight back and trying to protest and trying to do all that is because – they took away this day on the Corny Collins show because their things are being taken away, not because they want more. Oh, yes. And it's, yeah, so, yes. And the moments where we do see that conversation being had before uh, that day gets taken away from the show, those small moments are completely swept under the rug. Like, when you have, um, uh, what is the trio called? When they're oh, doing uh, the, the new girl name. in town. Ba, yeah. ba, ba, da, da, da. But they get... 
pissed off. Well, because they're both, it's like different broadcasts, but you're getting the white broadcast of the Corny Collins show of them doing the song, The New Girl in Town. And then you're getting the black cast doing the same song on um, the Corny Collins show on that broadcast, right? And then afterwards, it's like, how dare you do that song? You know that we did that song. And she's like, those girls wrote that song. Yeah. Well, and and that was like one of the ways where I thought that this film was so it was watered down for sure. Yeah. But like in the same way, because it was watered down, they had to be so overt about the things that they were trying to say. Yeah. And that was one of the the moments where I was like, okay, cool. So this is to replace all that dialogue that happened in the first one. Cool. So they like they took all those moments and literally because. They decided to focus on John Travolta for 84 minutes. Um, they had to insert this one line to make up for all of that other growth and development that the other film had. They cheat coded an entire subplot about racial segregation. That's all they did. I hate this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I I can't. Okay. I can't say I hate it. That's I'm okay. still. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna I'm, say the. I'm gonna say the problematic side where yes it is reductive the first one is obviously better however these songs bop these songs are good this the the performances are good for the most part although amanda Bynes, no ma'am like she's, she she's like 32 playing a 17 oh, year old thing i hope she's okay i think about her i hope she's fine they auto-tuned her all the way out um because i mean she, she just couldn't sing but the songs were great. Like, I mean, fuck. Like, even I Can Hear the Bells is fantastic. Good Morning Baltimore, fantastic. Black of the Berry, fantastic. Um, even songs, You Can't Stop the think... Beat, fantastic. Like, these songs are just like, oh. I think they're good, but they are not telling the story of Hairspray. No, and I agree with you. Those songs are not telling the story of Hairspray. In my mind, for some reason, and I, for the reason being that I like this and I'm not abandoning ship <laughs> um i've completely compartmentalized and segmented this as its own thing because also i want to point out that this is like a third degree separation from its original content right like its original ip the structure that it's trying to emulate this is the third iteration of it right so you got your first movie broadway version storytelling and then a movie based on the broadway version so not to give any leniency to the way that they completely destroyed the story of the original movie. But we are looking at a story that is three iterations separated from its original content. So yes, they still ruined the story. The story still is not present. The story of Tracy Turnblad is a completely different Tracy Turnblad than who we're familiar with from the original movie. She's not movie. even in the movie. She's the, barely in the, the yeah. whole, like uh, the whole thing about getting on the corny Collins show. They're on the show like once Maybe twice. Mm -hmm. Okay, twice in the movie, maybe three times. Whereas, like, the the whole reason for her being this dancer and for doing all of this is erased because they wanted to focus on John Travolta. <laughs> what, that, like, so that's a huge mistake. They fucked that because, up. Because, like, yeah. how cool would that have been if they showed more of the cattiness of, like, those... Of the uh, girls. Of everybody. But instead, they replaced that with Jonathan Travolta, and then they also replaced it with um, Link, with Zac Efron, right? Because, like, so... Let's get into Link Larkin. Let's get into this, because now <laughs> Tracy's whole motive 
And like, you know, and they just established that she's just this fangirl for Link, right? And uh, so she's not confident. She's not like a go-getter or anything. She's just like, just so happens to be like, oh, well, I think that everybody should be integrated. You know, yeah. she's, she's right. not confident. And she doesn't really have her own voice, it feels no. like. So then she's just like head over heels for this Zac Efron character, right? Yeah. But so Link Larkin is with Amber. And in the John Waters film, very early on, he's like, fuck you. Like they break up. And once he's broken up, then he's with Tracy, right? And yes. he's, he sees her. He sees what she stands for, and he's all about it. Whereas this Link Larkin sees her dance and sees her, like, slapping her butt and is like, you should do that on the show. Like, you should come, and they'll, they'll put you on for sure, right? Yeah. So she's like, okay, cool. And then she, like, falls in love with him. Like, she's already in love with his celebrity, right? Yeah. And then she, like, he looked at me. Like, falls in love with him. This entire film, Link Larkin is still with Amber literally up until the final moment where he's like, we're not a thing anymore. Yeah. So he's going behind her back and, like, and Tracy's cool with that. Tracy doesn't give a fuck, right? Oh, God, I I hated this. Link. And then, like, I hate the thing where, like, the boy goes into the girl's room when she's not there and the parents are going to let that happen. And then we oh, make this another joke where it's like, oh, you, you're not hungry? Bullshit. I'm going to make you food, honey, because that's what I I love that's comforting and like so link larkin uh, are you, you're talking about link larkin's I, verse in without love like without love life is like a i don't know is that what it was called him just fucking making so, out with a picture frame yes, like i um, hate it yes i agree with you i did not like link larkin either he is a coward in this movie he is not likable in any way he's very much like if it's hard for me i'm not doing it and like even him going into detention Largely all black kids. He tries to dance and they're dancing I and they're like, they were like, no, thank can you. Can you stop? Yeah. Because he's like dancing like a <laughs> dummy. He's dancing like a white kid. And they're like, okay, that's not what we're doing, but please stop. Like, that's fine. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, I guess we'll, and he feels uncomfortable, but like, it seems like he needs them to like, he's just, again, occupying space and expecting everybody to sort of morph around you with, his like he's bringing that whiteness into the space and being like you need to make me comfortable this isn't yes. me i'm not coming into your space i'm bringing my space with me and you're now in my space so please make me comfortable for being here well and then like at the end like even like no matter what he's always self-serving whether it is yes i like this girl now so i'm gonna hang out with her yeah or these people didn't accept me i need to be accepted by them so yeah. i'm gonna try to hang out and i'm gonna try to do this right or like I can't stand up for this because my career is at stake. I don't care about anything. I need to like his sense of like of self and self obsession and self preservation in his mind because he's so obsessed with fame and with his image and with being liked that he doesn't care who or what he sacrifices. Yeah. And he just, he like doesn't communicate. And I, I just hated him and I hated like that. I do want to push back a little bit on the, Tracy lacking all confidence. I will fully agree that they toned her confidence way down than the Tracy before. But I do think she had a confidence and charisma about her that would necessitate some of the instances that happened. It wasn't just like kind of cowardly and like kind of just kind of falling into it. I do think she still exhibited those those moments of like, I'm just going to do this and I think this is wrong and I think this is important. It was way more on the surface and it was way more ham-fisted in the sense of like here's a conversation about integration and segregation and like it 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 was way less 
it felt way less organic and human and it felt more scripted and cartoonish. I'm going to push back on that because I feel like she is just everything that white feminism represents uh-huh. in a real bad way because she literally like uh, she wasn't really an ally to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. She's she's still kind of timid. They made her a little bit timid. Right. Uh, like more still, timid than Ricky. Like, still yeah. confident. Yeah. Yeah. But like. A little bit more timid and hesitant, yes. right? And then they also – and, like, you know, so she also, like, uh, when somebody says something bad about her or anything, she, like, you know, like, you can see her slink down and everything, yeah. right? So there's that. But then also she isn't, like, yeah, absolutely, integrate – like, racial integration. This needs to happen and everything. When she really decides to be an ally rather than just say, like, oh, yeah, this should happen is when she's fucked over for it. So, like, in the sense that, like, she's not bringing anybody up, like – I feel like she just when like she literally assaults a police officer and then runs, leaving everybody else to get arrested for that bullshit. Yes, she did. And yes, that's shitty. And yes, I hate that. And yes, absolutely correct. But when she is getting her audition to be on the show, they included the line in the song where mommy, what's her name? Was it Miss Baltimore Crabs? Yeah. Uh, ask, would you swim in an integrated pool in the same way they did in the first one? And she's like, of course, I'm all for integration. Like, yeah, absolutely. And she doesn't get it because of what she says. And she doesn't get on the show. And so it's like, well, if your size wasn't it, you just said that, so fuck you. Cool. One line for everything. And I know that. And I I I totally... I I, I hear that. And so that's what I'm saying, how reductive it was to take out so much of the content that made that one line. Because that one line is largely the plot of the whole movie. And in this one small moment, they took it as sort of a nod to the first one and made that one moment kind of the small conversation about like integration. Well, that's what you were saying about like those moments needing to be bigger. Like that wasn't a big moment. It wasn't. Like they took what the actual story was and just sprinkled that in there and just did something completely different. Yes. And that should have been a bigger moment, but it was like, and in that moment, like you could see that she's like, Oh, well, like I, I don't feel like she would have had the same answer if she went back like that Tracy Trimblad. If she, it went- is so weird to me that she is so like that whole scene. Cause before I just like, it kind of like breezed past me, but then when it happened and I was like really watching it this time, she hits a police officer and then runs away, literally runs. And I'm like, this doesn't track. <laughs> like none of that tracks for me for Tracy. Like that doesn't make sense. Why'd she run away? Mm-mm. She would never have run away. She would never have run from that. She like, and it's that- her mom who's instigating it to her. Mom's like, or, and Maybelle too. It's like, you need to go. It's like, I don't think Maybell would have done that either. Well, and Maybell like, also doesn't allow little Inez to be there, right? Where in the last one, like, I, they literally, like, they handcuff themselves, themselves to the fucking yes. governor, right? So it is, like, saying, no, you can't be a part of this no, because you're not old enough. Yeah. And also, yeah. like, no, you need to get out of here. Yep. And no, like, whereas that was a great moment where they could have had some character growth for her, right? She could have literally been, like, boom, what's up? I'm here. And instead of doing that, she's like, oh, no, no, but that's not what it, that's not how it goes. Oh my God, I have to leave and leaves all of her friends to get arrested. Yep. And then the one good thing that daddy does on this is he bails everybody out. Cool. Yeah. I, I thought that was cool, but like but, it was I also, mean, but again, it wasn't like a, like, yeah. it, it felt 
real like i don't know like this whole it didn't this film didn't know what it wanted to be and it didn't know how it wanted to treat its characters like you know while trying to make these characters relatable or while trying to do this like you know making this woman tragic but also making her the brunt of all the fat jokes or making tracy supposed to be confident and an ally when she like leaves everybody to get arrested and to to pick up the pieces like i don't understand it unfortunately does that thing that a lot of musicals do because i'm not this isn't all musicals because some musicals and this like won so many fucking awards destroy, some musicals kill it on the story they kill it on the character development everything's intentional and it's good and you're just like oh my god i'm weeping Ugh. but some musicals are very good at doing that and i think that this one wasn't the score and the <laughs> composition and the songs those structures chef's kiss mm, love it but in order to keep those structures in place, those musical pieces, the set pieces for this to be a musical, they did have to sacrifice so much of what made Hairspray Hairspray. Um, and so, like... Did they, though? No, I'm saying they didn't have to, but they chose to. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Sorry. Um, they chose to get rid of that. They didn't have to do that. There was a There is a way to make that story this story in the same way. But right now, these are completely different stories, right? They're not the same characters. They're not the same people. It's different iterations of this it's literally telling different people's stories yeah um yeah uh yeah i have i do i have more i have um i want to talk about penny i want to talk about how she's boring and super patronizing and a willing victim in this whole fucking movie like she has all of these lines like first of all there's the like she would rather she's afraid to be seen as a lesbian but she's super down to be seen as a mixed couple I noticed that too. And this is the first time I noticed that when there's doing, I can hear the bells and Tracy puts her hand on her heart to like feel her heart. And then somebody walks by and she's like, Oh wait. Oh no, no, it's not like that. I'm not touching her boob. Like, no, we're not gay. So I was like that. We don't, you don't need to do that. That's not necessary. She has a lot of lines pretty much saying once you go black, you don't go back, which is really annoying. And it felt very white. Those those choices? Yeah. She wasn't a character. She was a set piece at this point, it felt like. Yes. I 100% agree with you. But I do think that she was... She was seeing who Seaweed was and the confidence that he had. So, like, lyrically through a song, Black of the Berry, The Sweet of the Juice, it's essentially about, like, black culture and yeah. how white people steal from it. He's like, oh, sorry, it's uh, Run Until That is the song title. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's essentially like, yeah, I, we're fucking sick and this is our culture and we're fucking awesome. And white people see that, but instead of being like, you guys are great, they steal from us and tell us we're worthless. Yeah. So look at all this cool stuff. Take that to your culture. Take that to your people. Take that to your community because this is us and we know who we are. You're the ones who obviously don't know who you are. Figure that out. And so because of that, I'm seeing Penny reflect that. And even though her choice of words, very basic, very boring, very simplified, kind of exotifying seaweed 100%. But I think she's seeing that through the confidence that seaweed has and because she's obsessed with him. Not to say that it's not problematic because Mm -hmm. I do think Penny is a mess in this movie. But that song by itself, I think, is where she's getting some of that uh, language from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess so. I know, and it's hard to For dissect that so because much, a lot so of it's song. What she, <laughs> so much of what she said, like, and how she is and all of this, like, just really, I don't know, her character just felt really patronizing, and it felt like she was exoticizing him. 
And it felt like, uh, like much more so than in the other one, whereas like, you know, I, I felt, I did feel like that sort of like love story and stuff like yeah. that. This one was just kind of like, oh, hey. But in this you one, know. you're correct. She was. And that's why I'm saying she's like a messy ass character because it wasn't a developed relationship of like, I like you. This one was very much like, my mom's going to hate you. Let's fuck. And you're like, well, and she's all like, right, Well, but queen. she's like not rebellious in any other way no. in this film at all. No. She willingly wears the P on her shirt for punished, right? And she oh. willingly sits at home because she's grounded, you know? Like, yeah. she willingly takes that. And I just, I, like, they took such a great character and made her so, like, I don't even understand why her and Penny are friends. Like, she her still and, does her break and Tracy. Out. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I didn't feel that same connection between the two of them other than the musical telling me that they're friends i never saw that friendship really is how i felt yeah and that's i don't care about amanda Bynes' portrayal of penny in this i don't think it was interesting i think it was bland yeah yeah i was just i was so disappointed with this film and with everything that it could have been again like you know you could have told such interesting story and so like you know through music and all of that but Again, they chose to center the white characters. Yeah. And that was really boring and not what that was supposed to be about. Like, they didn't even, like, the the whole premise of the thing wasn't even the Corny Collins show anymore. That didn't seem important. That's kind of it. She's on the show once and then gets these deals. And then it's just all about the parents and then all about going to Mama Maybell's. And then here's a protest. Whoops. I assaulted an officer. And then or, yeah. all my friends have to help, whatever. And then like at the end too, like they're trying to say that she's like this pillar of like, you know, like they're, they're making her up to be like this savior kind of. But she didn't right? earn it. And she didn't earn anything. She didn't, earn any she of didn't it, fucking man. do anything. And then all of her new friends are going to go and literally put themselves at risk to get her on the show. And then when they get in the fucking room, Mama Maybell, Inez, everybody has to be invited by the white characters to be on TV. Like they should have just fucking ran up there. So again, like Tracy had to give them the idea to protest and then she had to give them the idea to come and stand on TV. Like it was very. Um, like that whole thing where like Hollywood loves like, you know, to make themselves feel like you know, I'm I'm allowing this person to have space and all this other stuff, like the whole green book thing and all of that. That's what that felt like to me. And I thought that that was really dumb. And then I was like, oh, look, cool. We made Inez the the queen of this whole thing. All right. That's cool. But like, whatever. And then John Travolta gets a whole fucking dance scene, which is dumb which and it's so bad. Is, and I hate it. It's actual nightmares. And fuel. like, and, but again, like the people that get Tracy to where she's supposed to be mm-hmm. are all the people of color are all, are all like, you know, like uh, her reluctant parents, like, you know, but it's like she can't do this on her. Like, I, I just, I can't, I can't with this movie. I hated it. I, I hated that, like, why couldn't the black characters literally of their own volition, why did they need the white permission in order to get onto the TV show? Why couldn't they just walk on screen and start dancing themselves? It's, and it was one at a time, one at a time, come here. Let me let you come on TV. And then, yeah. at, 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 then at the end, it was like, okay, cool. There's a couple people on there. It's true, but it's it's sort of the same conversation. Whereas before, I think that that, apart from the the race riot that happens at the amusement park, the justification for them not just going up themselves is because they'll get arrested and they'll shut down the TV station, right? So the one thing that they have will be taken away from them if they try to do this thing. But it was already taken away from them in this in this In story. this movie, yes. 
It was already taken away from them. And at the end of the last one, they didn't give a fuck. They all just marched up there together. And that was how this was. Yeah. Like at the, at the very end. Right. True. But so here the, the community has nothing to lose. Yeah. And they're still waiting for the permission from the white characters. And I thought that that was so like after all of this stuff that they fought for, after getting arrested, after doing all of this, yeah. they're still waiting for the permission of Tracy or somebody else to allow them on. And I, fucking hated it yeah like this story was not about the kids this story was about the parents yeah and i think you hit it on the head earlier when we were talking where it was like well but that's who goes to broadway this is who has the tickets like you know in the same way that like you know white hollywood loves movies about white hollywood or whatever older people love love to see themselves on i don't know but i and it's also like they're trying to romanticize a lot of stuff and how do you romanticize a dead marriage give them a song give them a song where they fall back in love right like and so you give them a plot point to where like there's contention and now it's this and it's like like it's i've never been in love before it's uh some enchanted evening it's these songs of falling back in love or falling in love and and that's i mean that's broadway that's that bullshit and that's not at all to excuse it because i think you can do it better and they didn't and I agree with you there. I think it also took me a little bit out of it, too, because the whole thing felt like they went and they shopped at Amazon and found all the dresses and found all of the like everything because like it felt like a cheap retro version of Hairspray or of the 1960s era that they were trying to portray. Yeah. In a way that I don't think that the John Waters film did. It was Disneyfied. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly that. It's exactly absolutely. that. It was Disneyfied where it's like. The colors are vibrant and it's this and it's ultra clutch hairspray and it's yeah and wigs and wow like look at our dresses and it's it's that thing it's it's an amusement park um whereas the original John Waters film was like an indie queer picture with an actual story with an actual yeah. it had an actual message whereas this didn't really have a message apart from bop songs apart from follow the rules and eventually people will allow you to be seen yeah pretty much yeah. Um, so let's go over Hairspray 1988. Who was it for? Um, I'm going to just, yeah, I, you made a really good point to when you said he wrote a love letter to Baltimore, essentially. I think it was for Baltimore. I think it was for non-white people of Baltimore. <laughs> I think this was for John Waters. For I think himself. that's why he made himself. It was a story Tracy. about him. That's yeah. why... He decided to tell the story like he wanted to like one of his favorite shows from when he was young to have a good, happy ending. Yep. And so this was kind of his uh, writing the past, you know, and yeah, I I think that's absolutely like that and Baltimore. This was for this was for Baltimore and John Waters. Yeah, I fully agree with that. Absolutely. I think that's why it was so good. Yeah. Did we like it? Yeah, I think unanimously we're loved this movie it's great. i want to watch this again right fucking now it's i really can't good. believe it has been so long since i watched this movie i want to watch it all the time yeah hairspray Love. rules it's a good movie go watch it yes uh now the remake <laughs> is this new interesting uh or the same progressive regressive i'm gonna say this i think it's both new and interesting but i think it's regressive so yes i think it's new I think it changed a lot of the things. I think the fact that it's a musical, it is interesting in that way. And I think it recontextualized a story. But I think it did it for the worse. And that's why I say it's regressive. I don't think it's new, interesting, 
and, and I think it's regressive. Mm-hmm. I think that it was so boring. I think, uh-huh. uh, again, I didn't need to see Jonathan Travolta. I don't need to see Jonathan Travolta. We don't need to see Jonathan again. Travolta anymore. We don't need to see Stop. him. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing ever again. Stop. We don't need it. It felt just like any musical to me. It didn't feel new, even in terms of like a musical. It was just kind of like, yeah, okay. But yeah, I think it was aggressive. Regressive. I don't think it aggressive. It ag- also was aggressive. It was, aggr- it was aggressive. <laughs> it was Did aggressive. you see? Like, oh man. Um, I think <laughs> the story didn't evolve well. I think it was again like just trying to be really self congratulatory of like, hey, look at like, and I, I feel. I think that this movie was also endorsed by. I think he loved the stage play. I think he John loved. Waters. I think so. Yes. He he also he wrote a sequel. He to this did movie. write a sequel um, called White Lipstick. About- White Lipstick. Can we talk about some of the wild things that were going to happen in that? Yes. Um. Like so, the story was going to be entering the late '60s yep. era of music against the backdrop of the Vietnam War and the British invasion, where Tracy uh, is hated because she's famous but didn't lose the weight. Uh, Link is trying to be like a Beatles British invasion dude and he does acid. Um, and <laughs> he starts to, uh, get pimples on his forehead and stuff and it's like a whole thing. And then Jonathan Travolta's character gets hooked on diet pills and loses weight but sees her husband lusting after fat women because he only likes fat women. Um, And then it was going to be, yeah, so it, like, all of this stuff, and somebody gets drafted into the war, but it wasn't going to be Link. So, like, looking at this, I'm so glad that this wasn't made. I mean, it sounds Uh, like a train wreck, and I really want to watch it. (laughs) And also, if they get the same composer, I'm sure this one will also bop. White Lipstick was also the original name of Hairspray. Oh, no shit! Yeah, but... Yeah, so I think he was on board for this. He was, which he is was, cool. He was helping write it. He he did endorse the the musical. I mean, he made a cameo. He was in it. Like, yeah, as the to flasher. some degree, he liked it. But there also comes this conversation about like, I'm sure he liked it also because like, how much money did that bring him? Like, oh, fuck so yeah, right? fucking much money. Like, this was it. This is his baby. Not to say that that's the person who John Water is, but like, because I mean, I fucking like the movie. I thought it was sick. And then also on top of that, being like, yeah, dude, here's like millions of dollars for this sick thing you made or the IP that you created, and be like, hmm, cool. I like yeah. this. So there's that. Um. So who was this one for? For me, it was, <laughs> was for, for Eric me. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. It was for fans of Disney. It was Disney fans. It was Zac Efron fans. It was Zac it was Efron. For high school, it was High School Musical. High School Musical fans. That's who it was for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm. And also, do we remember the weird little romance that happened between Nikki Blonsky and Zac Efron after this? Do you remember that small moment in time where they were like dating together because of the movie? No. Yes, it was for a few months. I think it was publicity stunt. I'm not sure. But man, that was such a bizarre little time. Like not to say that that's not like a realistic uh, coupling, but it just seems so like forced and in the in the mainstream of like, Ooh, she's like big and he's skinny and hot. Like, uh, and I was just like, this is, I don't know what is happening here, but this is a wild, wild thing that we're doing in the current popular culture. <laughs> like, you were pushing for walking. <laughs> wild. Yeah, it was. I'm so good at that impression. It's crazy. So Give me, Donkey. Oh my God. I know, right? Give me an Emmy. Jesus Christ. And yes, I know that's television. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah. So that was a weird moment in time, but that's who it was for. That's exactly who it was for. Did you like it? 
I hated this. Uh-huh. I will never watch this again. Mm-hmm. This will not even be on in the background mm-hmm. of anything. Yeah. Just I'm going to pretend like this never existed yep. and just block it out of my brain after this. Mm-hmm. I liked it, and I still like it, and I loved it. I'm into it. I even bought the cast album <gasps> from the motion picture. Not so even good. the, not even the stage version. Yeah. I haven't even heard those songs. <laughs> I'm only doing this one. I'm such. It's like this weird little moment in time for me that I was like, yeah, this shit is sick. This fucks. yes, straight up. I was just like, yes, 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 all of this. And so Some of the songs are good. Good morning, Baltimore is good. Blah blah blah. From nice I just, in town. Run till that. Uh, without love, they're all good. The only song, okay, the only song that I like really don't care for is "I Know Where I've Been." I think that's the Queen Latifah song uh, when they're protesting. That was boring. It was. It was boring, and I wish it wasn't. Anyways, I'm gonna stop fucking rambling about this. But that's okay. I, I love that you love it. I liked it. it. I, it was great. I'm I gonna, just, I'm gonna just, I, I know, just can't. I know. I know. It's fine. I'm going to go back and watch <laughs> Okay. Um, this has been Nostalgia. Thank you for listening Yay. to another episode and being here with us in this moment right now today. Feel free to write in if you have any questions or suggestions or anything at nostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on all the social medias. We're nostalgia.pod or nostalgiapodcast. I don't remember, but... You can well, just, we're on there, yeah. yeah. It's chill. Yeah. Uh, it's cool, whatever. And rate and review us because that's important for us we appreciate it if you don't want to like put your words down that's cool just like just give us five click, stars click that star thing that's cool <laughs> yeah click it hit that subscribe button <laughs> smash we're YouTubers that now. smash that subscribe dog uh, ring that bell god i hate that so much <laughs> ring that bell oh, I hate it. um next time on the podcast we are going to be doing mary poppins oh yeah continuing our uh, on with this musical theme i know musical month all right. Uh, anyways, uh, we'd like to thank David Tricero for providing tech support, Danny Barkley for editing our podcast, and thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jess. This is a joy and a pleasure, and I'm very happy to be here and do this all the time. This Me too. Fun. This is fun. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs>